Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. This is Forum. I'm Katie Orr. We're all used to seeing separate boys and girls sections when we walk into big box stores. But what about the kids who don't identify as either? A bill working its way through the state legislature would require larger retailers to have gender-neutral sections for children's clothing and toys or face a fine. What do you think about the idea of getting rid of boys' and girls' sections? We'll hear from people who say this is long overdue and why some think this is government overreach. That's next on Forum, right after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Katie Orr. When you walk into a large store, it's pretty common to see kids' stuff separated into different boys' and girls' sections. But should it be? A bill working its way through the California legislature would require larger retailers to have gender-neutral sections for children's clothing and toys or face a fine. The idea behind the bill is to get away from children having to go to the boys' section to buy a superhero t-shirt or the girls' section to buy a doll. We'll hear from some people who say this is long overdue and why others think this is government overreach. And we want to hear from you. What do you think about retail moving beyond labeling sections as boys or girls? Joining me now is the author of the bill, Democratic Silicon Valley Assemblymember Evan Lowe. Assemblyman, thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me. So I want to get right to it. Why do you think this should be a law in California and not something that retailers can do if they are so inclined? Yes. Well, as we recognize the importance of getting off the heels of Women's History Month, as well as Transgender Day of Visibility, it's important that we are intentional about ensuring that we have inclusion in our society. And frankly, we're actually catching up. As much as I'd like to say this is a bold proposal, in fact, Target already did this back in 2015. So uh, years later, we're just trying to catch up with what retailers and where the consumers are already going. Um, So to hear this uh, feign outrage is nothing but bold, uh, but we are simply catching up to make sure that we recognize all in our communities. And simply put, we allow kids to be kids. 
So you know that critics are going to say this bill makes it tougher for businesses in California in an already tough economic climate. We've already heard so much about businesses moving their headquarters out of California and moving to places like Texas. You know, how do you respond to that? Is this the right time for this bill? Is it ever a right time to do what is just and is right? To make sure that we focus on that of inclusion versus that of exclusion. Frankly, we saw the same type of opposition back in 2017 when the state of California focused on gender-neutral bathrooms. Uh, This is the same type of conversation that we're seeing. But the reality is that this bill only applies to large retailers in which the retailers are already doing themselves already. Target and Walmart are already doing this. And many brands, including Abercrombie, H&M, and Old Navy, already have similar type of Uh, sections with respect to launching unisex apparel lines for kids. So again, we're just codifying what the private sector is already doing. And what better way to do so, especially as we come off the heels of Transgender Day of Visibility. I want to push back a little bit on the idea that this is just larger retailers, because while that's true right now, as we see in California so often, ideas can start big and then funnel down to like smaller and smaller businesses. And that has a lot of people concerned. What do you say to small business owners who say, you know, maybe not this year, but next year or, you know, five years from now, I'll have to do it and I can't afford it? Well, to the argument that we can't afford to make an inclusive environment for all children is a, a falsehood. Again, this feigned outrage is one that we've heard time and time again. This is the direction of the state of California. How do we ensure that we have more women in corporate boards? How do we ensure that we have gender pay equity? Part of the reason why we did this was specifically because we had a young girl uh, come to us, a uh, daughter of a staff member who likes science and toys with respect to science and dinosaurs and said, why do I have to go to the boys section? Uh, don't we want to see more scientists, women in as scientists, as engineers? This is a conversation that will evolve naturally, but we're only talking about large retailers and following, again, what they were already doing. Assemblyman Evan Lowe, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. We're talking about requiring larger retailers in California to have gender-neutral sections for kids' toys and clothing. Joining me for the rest of the hour are Christian Bridgekey, associate editor at Reason.com and Reason Magazine, a libertarian production, Lisa Kenny, CEO of Reimagine Gender, and Rob Smith, CEO and founder of The Fluid Project, a gender-neutral clothing line. Christian, I want to start with you. Um, when you hear Assemblyman Lowe's argument that, you know, this is the time California needs to step up and be inclusive— What is your response to that? Sure. I mean, I think those are very noble goals, but I think as Assemblymember Lowe outlined, his bill is kind of unnecessary. You already have retailers moving to getting rid of gender displays in their stores because they think that's something customers want, something they desire. They should absolutely have the freedom to do that. But I think retailers who don't want to make that move, who think that gender displays in their stores are maybe something customers still want, they should have the flexibility to do that too. The nice thing about free markets is that businesses can make decisions to try and reach customers. And then we as customers can shop at places that reflect our preferences and our values. And so while I appreciate the intentions behind this bill, I think it's important to just yeah, give businesses flexibility and let consumers make their own decisions. What about the point, though, while there are some businesses moving in this direction, 
a lot aren't. And in California, you know, we've seen efforts, as uh, Mr. Lowe mentioned, you know, requiring more women on corporate boards and requiring more people of color on those boards. And those laws seem to have had results. Um, Sure. But again, I mean, there's a reason that some retailers aren't moving in this direction. And it's because they think that having um, maybe more clearly demarcated boys and girls sections, well, that doesn't work for everyone, is something that works for a lot of customers and that therefore makes them a more attractive place for customers to shop. Um, In addition, there might be transition costs to taking down signage, putting up new signage, redesigning their store layout. I don't think we should foist that cost on businesses if it's not something that they feel the need to do themselves. Do you... um think that this is something, oftentimes we hear the argument that, you know, if you keep pressing, passing these laws in California, businesses are going to leave. But it strikes me that, you know, large corporations are not going to leave California. They can't. You know, we are such a huge market share that they have to comply with the laws that the state passes. Um, sure. Yeah, I um. I don't think that you're going to have, you know, Walmart or Target leave such a huge market as um, California. And I don't think that this regulation is going to be onerous enough on a large business like that to, you know, get them to leave the state. But and while it is limited right now to larger retailers, um, I do think that, um, you know, it still does impose a cost. And this cost comes at a time when retailers have already been slammed by a pandemic that's shifted a lot of customers online. Interestingly, online retail is not regulated by this bill. Um, And then additionally to that, um, you know, uh, retailers in California have had to labor under some pretty restrictive uh, pandemic restrictions. Uh, You know, for months at a time, retailers in the state have had to operate at 25% capacity. Those are starting to ease now, but they still have had to cope with all these additional costs and loss of customers. Is, is I don't think now is the time to uh, impose more costs on them still. That might not result in Target and Walmart leaving the state, but you could see still some you know, outlets that are you know, maybe smaller than them, but still large enough to be regulated by this bill, suffer those additional costs. I want to bring Lisa Kenny into the conversation. She's CEO of Reimagine Gender. And Lisa, your whole uh, purpose of your nonprofit is to help companies kind of move beyond gender and gender classifications. I wonder what is your take on this proposed bill? Do we have Lisa there? Yeah. Well, um, can you hear me now? Yes. Hi, I'm Lisa. Sorry. How are you? No worries. <laughs> I'm doing well. Sorry about that. Uh, you know, what I think is, is really great about this particular legislation is it will help accelerate what many companies are doing. And it is important. I think the state clearly has an interest in addressing this sort of hypergendering and this blue uh, pink divide. We know, for example, from research that a woman's lifelong earnings and how much she works are influenced by the levels of sexism in the state where she's born and the messages she gets early. You know, we know from another study that adolescent men or adolescent boys actually who subscribe to to traditional masculine gender norms are more likely to engage in dating violence, such as sexual assault, et cetera. We also know from studies in watching children that when children are given an opportunity to uh, play with toys that are ostensibly cross-gendered, that actually a lot of good comes from uh, removing the gendered messaging, that play becomes less stereotypical, 
and actually broadens the kinds of things that they're doing. So I think that, you know, we're, we, we see a lot of benefit by opening up and, and reimagining what gender can be. We also know that the demographics are just simply changing, right? We've got the majority of millennials and Gen Z who do not see uh, gender in a spectrum, that see beyond sort of these, this binary gender uh, understanding that many of us grew up with. And so that's really important. We know that Gen Z and millennials, three quarters of whom don't see that gender defines a person as much as it used to. So these are really, really important things. If we also think about the evolving employment landscape, we know that this sort of gender diverse oriented group of folks are entering the workforce and have been in the workforce and now populate half of today's workforce in America. They don't see these gender binaries. And in fact, we know that they will make employment decisions based on whether or not that they perceive an employer as inclusive. So if they're going to work and they're spending their time, you know, putting toys in a pink and blue aisle, that's got to hurt retailers. And in fact, many retailers, as we've talked about, have already begun to get rid of this pink and blue divide. If you go to, as Christian was pointing out on the online, if you go to uh, Hasbro, for example, Hasbro does not delineate their toys by gender. Uh, Lego doesn't delineate their toys by gender. So in fact, when a toy gets to Walmart, Walmart, in fact, delineates it by gender in a way that the manufacturer themselves doesn't do. So there's, there, it's a complex question, but we know there's a number of benefits. And, and this is one of the few times I think where actually what we want to do, what the quote right thing to do is, is also actually just really good for business. There's no reason to tell uh, a child that they can't buy something as, you know, my whole background, even though I run a nonprofit now is in the corporate world and marketing in particular, companies just want people to buy their products. And this is a great example of saying, let's remove the obstacles that are in the way of kids today of getting the product that they want. We know 56% of them today from the data are already choosing things outside of their assigned gender in, when shopping. But that requires a kid that it feels safe enough and comfortable enough and has parents that are supporting them. What are your thoughts about moving past boys and girls sections to gender neutral sections? Maybe at your own business. Give us a call, 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786, or get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at KQED Forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. Welcome back to Forum. We're talking about requiring larger retailers in the state to have gender-neutral sections for kids' toys and clothing. Joining me are Christian Bridgekey, Associate Editor at Reason.com and Reason Magazine, Lisa Kenny, CEO of Reimagine Gender, and Rob Smith, CEO and founder of The Fluid Project, a gender-neutral clothing line. I want to get to some comments here. Um, Mike writes, while I detest the heavily gendered 
toy section. Let's not forget that one of the primary reasons it exists is the heavy marketing that targets children through the TV and Internet. A better solution is to stop letting advertisers define which toys are for which gender and instead ban all advertising to young children. Megan writes, My 10-year-old overheard the promo for this show and said, you know what I have always hated? Boys and girls, Happy Meals. Why does it have to be a boy toy or a girl toy? Different kids like different stuff. She gets it. And John writes, as a gay man with transgender friends who has been fighting for human rights for over 30 years, we do not need a law for merchandising in a store. Uh, I want to bring Rob Smith into the conversation. Um, As we mentioned, you are the CEO and founder of The Fluid Project, a gender-neutral clothing line. So you have been working in the gender-neutral space for a bit now. Uh, What are your thoughts on on this bill? Yeah, thanks for having me on this. And, you know, before the Fluid Project, I just want to share some of my professional history. I spent, you know, 22 years at Macy's and I oversaw um, all of the buying and merchandising for kids uh, at Macy's. And then I went on to work in charge of all of product creation for Levi's and Nike Kids globally. So I have some good experience and knowledge about the, the practicality in, of this from that experience. Um, but I went on to create the Fluid Project, which is a gender-free brand, as well as an entire uh, platform to open up opportunities for other brands to share that are gender non-specific. I really listened to, you know, some of the statistics that Lisa was sharing, which I know as well. So this, to me, you know, I I looked at it practically, we could actually like tomorrow take down boys and girls sign and make the entire kids department gender neutral, you know, immediately because kids have the same size bodies. They don't change bodies, don't change until puberty. So what this does is really opens up an opportunity for young children to express themselves or parents to not have to, you know, be concerned about crossing an artificial line to purchase themselves um, something for their kids or for their kids to choose for themselves. And, uh, you know, it's like you said, it's happening already. I'm consulting with large companies right now. Uh, I can't say who they are, but many of the companies you've described and some others who are already leaning into this space. And what I, what I think is that actually it will help businesses. Um, I think that more and more parents are looking for these opportunities. They can't find them in big box. So they're moving their business to online and shopping online instead. And this is actually, I think, pro-business for retail in the state of California. I want to read a comment and then um, get uh, your reaction, Lisa and Rob, uh, to this. Norma tweets, Oh, no, no. The boys' department is well-known for being much less expensive than the girls' department. I routinely shop in the boys' and men's department for better quality, longer-lasting, and less expensive clothing. And I think this just really gets to a good point in that as women, you know, I like to shop. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> and, you know, we fall victim, I think, to a lot of the fast fashion. I want I want um, my joggers that I've been wearing <laughs> for the quarantine time at home. And then when I go back to work, I might want a fun top that I can buy at Target. But it doesn't last as long. And it's more expensive because they know they can charge you more because you're going to buy more. So, Lisa, do you think having more gender neutral options is going to result in more clothes being like women's clothing, more expensive and less good quality. 
Well, it's a really great uh, point. We know that there's a pink tax on many products that are designated for women, even when the product is exactly the same. But I think one of the things we have to do here is make sure we're not equating all gender with gender neutral. When many people think about gender neutral, they're thinking about, you know, grays and tans and things like that. And that's one of the issues that I, I tend not to use that term myself. I think what we're really talking about is all gender, right? Really, we want that range, that whole spectrum of gender, and that we're not telling people these things are for you and these things are not for you. And I think that's really what we're getting to. We're looking at you know, aisles that just say, hey, these are these are toys for kids and you ought to get whatever is of interest and you're excited about. And it shouldn't be a reduction in the options that are available. Right. So we're not trying to constrain what's being developed and created, but we are trying to get out of saying, but these kinds of things are not for you. And, and I think that's an important difference. So I don't think we'll see everything going up in terms of pricing and now getting that sort of the pink tax transferred over. But what I do think we're going to see are a lot of kids who can just, for the first time, go in without an additional barrier to making that purchase and just say, this is what I like, and so I, I'm going to have it. I'd like to invite our listeners to give us a call if you have thoughts on whether we should be moving past boys and girls sections in retail. Uh, you can call us at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Or email your questions to forum at KQED. I'd like to go to a caller now, Kelly in San Jose. Go ahead. Hi there. Yeah, thank you guys for bringing this conversation to forum today. Um, As a mom of a little girl, I definitely feel the pink tax every time we go to buy shoes and shirts and um, things that are essentially the same as the little boys section, just with a different character on it. So I think as a consumer, this really is protecting my interests um, from a government perspective. I don't think that this is overreach. I think this is protecting the consumer from taxes that are old school and that that need to be done away with. I don't want to pay more as a girl mom than as a boy mom. Um, and, and I see this as really empowering the consumer to be able to make choices across the entire spectrum of retail instead of just having to choose to shop at a major retailer like Target or Walmart every time. Thanks so much, Kelly, for that perspective. Uh, Christian Bridgekey, I want to get your response to that. Do you think there's something to that, that this might, uh, a law like this might help alleviate the so-called pink tax that a lot of us deal with? Um, Yeah, sure, potentially. I I guess what I would say is that I think we've heard a lot of good reasons about why retailers might want to shift to a more uh, gender-neutral or gender-inclusive environment, why customers might want to shop there. But I think something that, uh, you know, libertarians like myself and uh, progressives, uh, like I'm sure many of your listeners can agree on, is that corporations are greedy, right? We don't need to pass a law to, like, force them to make more money. Um, if this is something their customers want, um, they can adopt, uh, you know, they can move towards that direction. The, uh, the fact that they haven't suggests that there are still customers who do find, you know, these distinctions in, you know, girls and boys sections um, uh, valuable. So, um, yeah, I, I think um, it's interesting, you know. We're talking a lot about how norms around gender have become a little bit more fluid and more flexible. And I, you know, as a, both a libertarian and as a libertine, I guess I think that's great. But I don't understand why our laws need to become more restrictive and less flexible um, to kind of like bring, you know, bring that along. So that's what I would say. Rob, I, I want to talk to you about this idea um, 
when people first hear about this idea in in, in terms of it being a law, uh, I think there is a reaction. Your first reaction is like, what? No, why? <laughs> you know, why are you changing something that I am used to? Um, why do you think that people feel that way initially? Well, I, I don't think people like being told what to do or not to do. Um, but when you step back and look at it, it's really about creating um, an inclusive space, you know, and we try to create inclusive and affirming spaces wherever we go. And what this does is, you know, um, uh, allow for a young child, no matter the access to whatever store you have based on your location or the, you know, where you live within the state, but you have access to a big box retailer that is, um, creating affirming spaces, allowing for you to just by taking the words down, creating a gender neutral space, uh, allowing you to express yourself the way you want to express yourself, allowing you to um, be curious and playful and all those, you know, reasons Lisa said, the positive reinforcement, it it really just, it, um, it pushes, it pushes uh, forward in a really um, positive way. And I like to say, Nobody gets hurt in this. Nobody gets hurt. If you still want to dress your boy in blue with a truck and your girl in pink with sparkles, that's still going to be there. You know, it doesn't hurt anybody, but it does help people. And if you cannot hurt people and help people at the same time, you know, that's a win-win to me. I want to go to Joan in Davis, who has actually owned a toy store, if I understand. Joan, go ahead. Okay, thanks. I'm really happy to hear this conversation. I was the owner of a specialty toy store for 14 years and got to know my colleagues in that industry. And many times we had a very significant impact. We were voted in higher than Toys R Us when Toys R Us were around as the favorite retailer. And we never occurred to us to have boy and girl sections Toys, at least, are easily um, separated by science or dress-up, puzzles and games, dolls. And we definitely noticed children gravitating to whatever they were developmentally or personally most interested in and needed to do at that stage of their life. So I think this is a very welcome um, change for the freedom of children to feel they can find the playthings that will help them develop as they um, need to. The one comment I have, and I don't know if I missed it when my radio was off, but the manufacturers have a big part to play in this because even if you have sections that are skill or interest-oriented, manufacturers go into the blues and pinks and boys shooting um, um, water guns or, you know, that kind of thing. And so that change also has to happen for this to really have a major effect. Thank you so much for taking my call. Joan, thank you so much for making that point. Uh, Lisa, I want to bring you in because... Can I, can I, can I jump on that for just one second? Oh, of course. Please go for it. Yeah, this is Rob. Just, um, it's really interesting. And, and they are thinking, Mattel has, um, which I think is really interesting, they reorganize their entire team to be um, category focused, not gender focused. And so they saw the structural change and they, and they created it. And now more and more like organizations, I work with big box retailers have boys, buyers, girls, buyers, boys, designer, girl designers. And they're starting to understand that they, they're starting to reorganize and restructure to address this 
Um, so um, the caller is absolutely right. It has to happen from the corporation as well. And they are making advancements to do that. And I just can't tell too much, but um, you know, there is messaging and I just, um, I just made a trip to one of the big box retail. I just want to share this with you real quickly. The girls section, which was pink, yellow, and purple. The quotes on the t-shirts were follow your dreams, smile, stay happy, be you love is the way be cool, be kind. And a trip to the voice section, which was blue and green was legend. You are epic future hero. Make today count worldwide vision, dude. And I think it's just like, that's where the work is. You know, the work is to, to create the space in the middle and to empower young girls and to allow boys to feel, you know, so there's, that's mixed in there as well. I just wanted to share that with you based on the caller. Right. Absolutely. And as a woman who actually says dude a ton, <laughs> not maybe not on the radio, but <laughs> I, I, I feel that that is not a gendered term. Um, Lisa, I, I want to bring you into the conversation because you've made the point that it wasn't always like this. We didn't always have gender so entwined with our marketing, right? That's really true. I mean, uh, at the turn of the 20th century, really, it was nowhere. There, there really, And there wasn't even an agreement on what the colors should be if there were. So there was really quite a range. It really happened once, and Christian hit on this point, which was, once uh, companies began to realize that if you delineated toys and clothing by colors, then you could get parents to buy two sets. If you had, you know, a daughter uh, and, and then you had a son, well, what used to happen is a toy, everything just got handed down. Clothes got handed down, toys got handed down. They wanted people, they wanted parents who could afford to, to buy a whole new set of clothing and toys. So that's what happened. And I think, and then there were a number of things, including the deregulation around marketing to children and tie-ins to TV shows and other things that accentuated and accelerated this hyper-gendering of things. And of course, the world has changed a lot. And so what was sort of in the corporation's best interest at that time to sell more products is now actually counterintuitive. And I think that's what companies are really getting caught up to, right? And, and as uh, Rob said in his work, and certainly in the work that we're doing, we're working with a lot of brands that are trying to figure out. And the truth is, they may understand it. And I think maybe we give them too much credit. They're just people too. They were, they grew up with the same gender norms that we all did. And they're struggling to really understand gender. And I'd say many of these companies are really understanding for the first time, sort of some of what they're doing. But uh, as Joan said in, in her call, we've really got to work on all fronts. But that doesn't mean that this legislation isn't part of the solution. It also needs to be, the work needs to be done with companies because it hasn't always been this way, even though for most of us, it's all we've ever known. I, I want to get to a comment uh, that I think you can respond to, Lisa. Louise writes, well, I can understand gender-neutral toys. Uh, what is gender-neutral clothing? Are the formerly boys and girls sections just combined into a mis mishmash of clothing where one has to search for the correctly sized female versus male clothing? Uh, uh, she says girls and boys have different shapes and clothing fits differently. How would this work in reality. And uh, Lisa, I understand you might not be able to speak to the specifics of the bill, but in your experience in general, how do companies, clothing companies handle this or clothing stores, I should say, handle this uh, kind of gender neutral section? Yeah, I, there's a number of ways in, in really you can just mostly it's by size, right? So there is, as Rob mentioned, there isn't that much 
difference when we're talking about young kids uh, in terms of their bodies. It really begins to change around adolescence. And that's getting, of course, younger and younger for both boys and girls. But we really see a lot of similarity in body types until they get to adolescence. So you're going to see all the sort of same designs and things you're going to have, but they're going to be separated as they are now by size, but also, but instead of then uh, separating them and sometimes even on separate floors, you're going to see them in the same section. So the kids can go into the section and say, if they're a girl or they, or they don't identify as a boy or a girl, if they identify as non-binary, they're going to go in and they're just going to say, I like this shirt instead of having to overcome the fact that it may not be in a section that was designated for them. So you're going to see the same products, but you'll see them together and they may be separated by other kinds of things too, like interests or, uh, programs that they like or something uh, something along those lines. I want to real quick go to caller Grace in Forestville. Grace, we're coming up on a break, but I wanted to get your story in there. Uh, go ahead. Grace, are you there? I am. Really you know, good I think... right now, so that's perfect. Um, Grace, uh, go ahead, please. We, we quickly have uh, have some time for you. Oh, I just wanted to say that the show was really triggering um, memories of my childhood growing up in the mid-60s and 70s, where I'm uh, tall for my age, and it was really hard for me to find, I'm also a tomboy, I've always been a tomboy, so it was really hard for me to find clothes that fit without having to go into the boys' section, and it just, um, it was really hard for me, it just, yeah, and, and also just the creativity, it's like, I didn't want the pinks and the purples, and God, they weren't nearly as much as they were today with all the bling bling, but um, I just remember feeling really shameful of having to go to the boys' section to buy things that fit. Thank you so much for your call, Grace. We appreciate it. What are your thoughts about moving past boys' and girls' sections to gender-neutral sections? Give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. We're talking about requiring larger retailers in California to have gender-neutral sections for kids' toys and clothing. And we're talking to Christian Bridgekey, associate editor at Reason.com and Reason Magazine, a libertarian production, Lisa Kenny, CEO of Reimagine Gender, and Rob Smith, CEO and founder of The Fluid Project, a gender-neutral clothing line. I want to get to a comment here. Kirby writes, This seems like much ado about nothing. If a girl wants to buy a toy from the boys' section, they can just walk over to that section and buy it and vice versa. What is it about this situation that requires governmental action? Uh, Also, I want to go to John in San Francisco. John, go ahead. 
Thank you for taking my call. Good morning. Um, I'm a native San Franciscan and a small business owner, although I'm not involved in retail, so it doesn't affect me directly. Um, and while I'm very strongly anti-discrimination, I'm really appalled by the notion that we should try to regulate this. In my opinion, this is an attempt to regulate morality, which always fails and produces backlash. It's attempting to solve a problem that doesn't really exist. I applaud businesses experimenting with different kinds of sections, and I think everybody should have the right to encourage businesses to do that. But uh, this is not the kind of role that government should be pursuing. I- I'm really strongly against it. Thank you. Thank you so much, John. We also have a comment from a listener who writes, as a gender queer person, I would love all gender categorizations to go away. I would love gendering of products to be a thing of the past, but I don't think a law is the way to accomplish that. I worry there will be so much backlash that we will end up with even more restrictive gendering of kids in the short term. I think that's a really interesting point, Lisa, that you know, everyone in this in our society it, it works on a spectrum, right? Uh, or I should say a pendulum. Things swing one way and things then swing back the other. Uh, are you concerned a- a- about any kind of backlash at all? Or do you think this just makes such mu- so much sense for companies that this is the way we're going to be seeing things in the future? Well, I do think, I mean, I, I, I completely agree with you on this, on the pendulum issue in general. I think you know, on, in this particular case, I, I don't think we're going to see it because I think that that first of all, we're already seeing it in a number of ways. If we think about some of the brands, if you think about Apple, who I think we could all agree is one of the great marketing companies, they don't associate gender with their products. They have phones, they have phone colors, but you don't just see women holding a you know, rose gold one and et cetera, et cetera, right? They have phones, they have colors, and that's what it is. It's just that the brands that do that, it sort of makes so much sense. We don't even recognize it. So I think this is going to become commonplace. So I don't think we'll see that. We absolutely are seeing pendulum around gender and society. I think the flood of anti-trans bills that we're seeing around the country really indicate a couple of things, including a lack of understanding about gender. But I think the move that we're seeing around gender in general, this isn't going to go away. And I think a lot of companies were wondering about that. Is this sort of reimagining of gender really related to just kind of what kids are doing today? But we know that it's not only a U.S. phenomenon, it really is a global phenomenon. You know, we're seeing... Uh, in a almost a quarter of Gen Z globally in a study said that they expect to change their gender identity at least once in their lifetime. So I think what's happening around gender isn't going to change. We may see some people responding to that because change is uncomfortable. And anything that feels different can feel uncomfortable initially. I think what we'll see is not everybody having to make a big deal about the changes they're going to make. I think these companies, as we've said, are beginning, some of them are already beginning to to make them. And I think it's going to become one of those situations where at some point we'll look back and think it's hard to imagine that it was ever any way other than what it is, which is just sort of kids just having things to choose and and being able to choose them freely. I think this is a great opportunity to uh, bring in Naomi Cruz. Uh, They are a gender non-conforming 21-year-old student at UC Berkeley. Uh, Naomi, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Um, You say you would have welcomed a gender-neutral section in stores that you shopped up when you were growing up and stores you shop in today. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, for me, growing up, clothing shopping was very stressful. Um, I've never really enjoyed going clothing shopping. 
trying to find my size, style, or clothing that I felt represented my gender, my gender expression best was always a pain. Um, I'd consider my own style of expression kind of gender neutral, but that's not necessarily because of the clothes I wear, but rather because of how I view myself. Um, and I think this is where a lot of contention can happen when it comes to making gender neutral clothing sections or attempting to create gender neutral clothing in general. Um, essentially, clothing in and of itself isn't gendered. Clothing doesn't have a gender. And I believe it would only gain a gender or a gender alignment when someone wears that article and gives it their own gender alignment or gender identity. Your clothing should, should take on your identities, not necessarily define them. So I think that true gender neutral clothing wouldn't be labeling clothes male, female, or an other. It would simply be having all clothing available without labeling any style or presentation. And then of course this would include like a variety of uh, sizing options. And then of course, like a standard, standardized sizing um, system. And then at least for me, when it comes to clothing shopping, I'm perfectly fine with wearing what we can consider traditionally feminine or masculine clothing. And I think that gender neutral fully encompasses these spectrums of clothing. I think that because all fashion is gender neutral from frilly dresses and skirts to suits and ties, all of that clothing should be presented in a gender neutral way. And that seriously helps individuals be more gender creative, experiment with their own expressions. And I think it also really protects individuals who might be genderqueer, non-binary, trans, or like otherwise gender non-conforming because it normalizes their experience of going to the store and shopping wherever they want to shop for whatever they want to wear and shop and shop for. Now, Naomi, you are 21 and it sounds like for you and for your friends, the crowd you hang out with, this is really a no-brainer. Maybe something that, like, older people are arguing about and discussing, but for younger generations like yours, it's just the way things are. Yeah, I would definitely say it, in many ways that's the case for my generation and my peers. Um, on one level, an example that comes to mind is a lot of times for pants that we consider, like, women's fashion, they don't have pockets or functional pockets. So it's become quite normalized for a lot of people to go to the men's section of clothing to go grab uh, like pants that have pockets or fu more functional clothing. Um, and it's always been known that currently like women's fashion is fast fashion. It is made to be trendy. It is not made to last. Whereas a lot of men's fashion can be made with a bit more durability, a bit cheaper. So I think this is something that's existed for a while. And I've been seeing conversations like this since I was in middle school. Um, so I would say that this is something that most people my age are pretty much ready to accept or already have accepted to a degree. Rob, I want to bring you in because we've been talking a lot about the influence of Gen Z and how that generation is very open to this. But there's also a role that millennials play. I mean, of course, people tend to think of millennials as younger, but really they're in their 30s and 40s raising kids. Um, what influence do you think that generation has on this movement? It's a it's a great question. It's a huge influence. Um, you know, you look at the statistics and all we really know are about Gen Z and, and young millennials and how they feel about gender and gender expression and how they're evolving. And it's really this young generation that's pushing it. And these young parents now are having kids at the alphas. We don't statistically know about them, but I can tell you that this progress is going to continue, that this, 
you know, whatever statistics you have are going to um, double as far as um, gender identity, gender expression and acceptance. Um, folks will, you know, more and more folks, young folks will identify as non-binary or transgender and it's, it's continuing. So um, I think, you know, millennial parents are going to start to, you know, look and search for this product and have a really hard time dressing their kids without these um, traditional, you know, binary ways. I want to get to uh, Michelle in San Francisco on the phone. Michelle, go ahead. Thank you for taking my call and thank you for this program. I am a parent of a transgender 11-year-old and my child has been out um, since they were six and I just, I can't even emphasize enough the psychological impact of these kinds of changes happening to impact her shopping experience. Um, I will tell you from a personal standpoint, we are a very affirming family. We have an affirming community. The school is very supportive and her friends are very supportive. And despite all of that, night before last, she told us that she was very depressed and thinking about suicide. So my husband and I are beside ourselves because it seems like no matter what we do, there is this sort of societal construct that is sort of bombarding our child every day saying you're different and you don't fit in. And um, I just think that, you know, and by the way, this that's our personal experience, but I'll also share that a lot of my child's peers and, and her friends, they also want to, um, you know, not be so constrained with their clothing and their choices. So I think the caller that was 21, you know, that's the, that it's happening even younger than that. And I know that this is very scary for for folks that are kind of, um, you know, set in, in these sort of traditional constructs. But I do think it's really important that we start to think about as a society how we're kind of programming our kids to, you know, if you're a boy, you like dinosaurs and trucks. And if you're a girl, you like unicorns and rainbows. And the truth is that's just not the case. So... You know, we live in a free country. Why not remove some of these constructs that we're forcing on our youth and let them be free to go into um, a place where they normally go to buy clothing and just gravitate towards what they want to buy, not try to force them or tell them what it is they like. Let's just find out what they like from their own imaginative and beautiful, pure uh, spirits that they come into the world with. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you so much, Michelle. Um, I think that brings up an important point, uh, Lisa, that in a lot of ways, this isn't just about money and what's best for business. In in a lot of cases, it really is about the mental health of the children who are shopping for these clothes. It absolutely is true. And I'm really touched by what uh, Michelle just had to say. And And I do want to say real quickly that you know, if there are any parents that are listening who have a gender diverse child, a transgender, non-binary child, a gender spectrum is an organization in the Bay Area that is, just has terrific resources and, and, and they should check them out. But, um, you know, it's interesting, Katie, I, I grew up in California, I grew up in the Bay Area, and I've been a gender diverse person my entire life. And, and when I was thinking about the comment that the listener made that, well, if somebody wants to just, you know, if they want something in the other aisle, just go get it. And I, I really thought to myself, I wish it was that simple. 
And it isn't that simple. Uh, I, I remember as a kid, it was a huge issue. As one of your listeners also said, um, you know, as a tomboy trying to find things and, and, and it was a huge issue for me. And I, and it is for many kids today, you know, we tend to think that our society is much more kind to, to kids that don't fit in, especially around gender. And that's not true. These constructions of gender harm every child in different ways, in different degrees. That's true for boys. It's true for girls. And it's certainly true for kids that are non-binary or trans or don't fit in. And we're putting an obstacle or a barrier in front of them that reminds them that they, that they're considered less than, or that they don't fit. And they already have enough messages like that that are happening. And we know it affects their sense of safety and we know it affects their mental health. And we know that those kinds of issues come up as they're contemplating, you know, issues of self-harm or, or suicidality. So this is not a small issue for these kids that are, that are stuck in this way. So it's, it's particularly harmful for them, but it's also harmful for, for boys that, that are not allowed to express different aspects of who they are. Um, as well as girls that are looking to, you know, uh, enjoy different clothing or things that have been limited to, to quote, boys in, in the boys section. We do have a comment from Matt who gets back to the idea of government overreach. He says, it would seem that this is the beginning of a very slippery slope of government overreach. As a listener, I'm hearing that not only do we not need to mandate how retailers display their products, but it sounds like the next step would be to mandate how manufacturers produce their products. And then what's next? I do not support this uh, effort. Uh, Rob, it seems to be that's the crux of a lot of the opposition uh, that we're hearing. It's not so much about the gender neutrality in itself, but the the mandate that that companies do this. But again, you're saying that a lot of companies are moving towards this on their own. I know, for instance, you're working on a a, a neutral frag, fragrance line. Is that right? Gender neutral fragrance yeah, line. Yeah, I've launched a neutral uh, gender. I call it gender free. You know, for me, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's about freedom of expression and not being um, limited. So it's a gender-free fragrance collection, which I launched at Sephora. Um, I'm launching a, a new collection at Nordstrom um, this fall, which is earth-friendly. And I'm in lots of stores like Zoomies and um, Hot Topic, and lots of retailers are getting into this space and learning about it. Um, so this is happening. And you know, I'm thinking about the over the overreach from government and, and mandating this. And I'm thinking about it as not just uh, somebody who is a social justice warrior and, you know, thinking about the mental health of young people. And but also, you know, once you're the CEO of Walmart and you hear about this law, you're going to go, what's going on? You're going to get a group of people around a table and say, is this is this a thing? And it's really positive. It will, it will influence business in a very positive way because they're going to wake up if they're not awake right now. But but many companies are understanding just because they are listening to their customers, they're listening to their employees, especially the ones that work in stores, that this is something important. So I think it's going to escalate it and it's going to move it faster. And by 2024, it's uh, it, the, the companies will be benefiting from their business. I want to go to Susan. Thanks so much. I want to go to Susan in Oakland. Go ahead. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Uh, I completely understand sort of that feeling around the overreach. And yes, it does make me a little bit uncomfortable as well. But I must say, as a consumer, anything that leads to, let's say, pants for curvy people that actually have functional pockets and shirts that aren't so thin that they're see-through, 
I am completely in favor of. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Dresses with pockets are the best. Uh, <laughs> Lisa, I think this does get to a bigger issue, though. You know, when I was growing up, um, we had, you know, it was YM and 17, and you had to be a skinny blonde girl to be in fashion at all. And now I think we've come so far, the fact that we're even discussing this. I mean, how does that make you feel for the future? Just sum it up for us. Are you optimistic about the direction we're headed in? I'm incredibly optimistic about the future. I really am. I think that, uh, you know, we're all learners and we're all being exposed to different experiences. And I think that it's very, very positive. And, and especially you today, I think millennials and, and now Gen Z, and I think uh, the generation that's coming after them really are very open, much more sort of open and because they've been exposed to a greater diversity of people and perspectives. And I think whenever that happens, we're all we're all the better for it. So, yeah, I'm incredibly optimistic about the future. We've been talking about gender-free retail with Lisa Kenny, Rob Smith, and Christian Bridgekey, Kristen Bridgekey, excuse me, and Naomi Cruz. We spoke earlier with Assemblymember Evan Lowe. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Katie Orr. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Scott Schaefer. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.